Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. January 26, Australia Day. It marks the anniversary of the 1788 arrival of the first fleet of British ships at Port Jackson in New South Wales. The raising of the flag of Great Britain at that site by Governor Arthur Phillip and the invasion of Australia and the start of genocide against the original owners of this land. We should not celebrate Australia Day. It's a day that has been sanctified and sanitised. Instead, we should be protesting and fighting for land rights, sovereignty and self-determination for all Aboriginal people. In the lead-up to this year's Australia Day, I bring you the voices of Aboriginal women who have been protesting Australia Day, including from previous Invasion Day rallies. 2017 was an especially huge year of Aboriginal protests, so to get us ready for this coming Sunday, we start this week's show of Accent of Women with Celeste Little from the 2017 Invasion Day rally held in Melbourne, Victoria. Here in Melbourne, we are referred to as the conscience of Australia. We're known for being more progressive than in other states and have a unique ability to get people out on the streets protesting against injustices at the drop of a hat. Who, for example, can forget last year's Border Force rally, which went from a Facebook post to a gathering on um, Flinders Street steps within, in mere hours. Yet despite Melbourne's, and indeed Victoria's, progressive nature this state manages to remain incredibly complacent when it comes to recognising the rights of Indigenous people. Just down the road from us today, um, running at the same time as this rally, is the annual Australia Day Parade. What's more, the organisers state that they are proud that Melbourne is the only capital city in Australia that runs a parade. We are therefore very, very good in this city at performing edginess and progressiveness rather than necessarily living it. Though I I would bet the turnout at this rally today is more than down the road. You might ask why someone like me, an Aboriginal woman who lives in Melbourne, who has all these fancy bits of paper next to her name and who is clearly doing okay, feels passionate enough to, about Invasion Day to call a rally and take a stand. For starters, I'm sick to death of the historical erasure which has to happen um, in this country for Australia Day festivities to go ahead. To me, Australia Day has always been Invasion Day and it was a day of protest when I was growing up. We don't celebrate Australia Day in this country because we're apparently a a unified multicultural society who have a right to be proud of what we've achieved. We celebrate it because we are content to ignore the declaration of terra nullius and the crimes which have been perpetuated against Indigenous people beyond this point. Because this country is okay with denying frontier wars took place. They're okay with forgetting the massacres. They're okay with forgetting the slavery, the stealing of children, the setting up of concentration camps and missions. They're fine with the fact that Aboriginal people are being forced to live under a foreign regime that they never consented to, 
nor has that regime ever come to the table to negotiate agreement. Worse though, they're okay with the goodwill which was generated around the 1967 referendum, the Wave Hill walk-off and the walk across the Harbour Bridge, key elements where black and white Australia pulled together for a more positive future to be forgotten. This is a travesty. I may be sitting here pretty in Melbourne, sipping my soy lattes, enjoying the craft beers, but this year marks 10 years since the Northern Territory intervention was launched and I have family who are living under it still. Yeah. Whose money is being quarantined and who are forced to undertake 25 hours per week of unpaid work, which everyone, anywhere else would attract a wage and benefits whose houses are falling down around their ears despite the fact that the Australian government promised as part of the intervention to have new housing. Communities having their water cut off by the Northern Territory government in a bid to force people to leave and move to other areas. <laughs> the town camp my own grandmother lived at with young children while my Aboriginal grandfather was off fighting in World War II as a non non-Australian citizen, had its water cut off by the previous government for this very reason. Proposals for fracking operations and nuclear waste dumps on Aboriginal lands just keep coming while we, yet while we look over the pond and can state that the Dakota Access Pipeline is a travesty, most people are unaware that similar operations are going on right here, right under their noses. It's more than this though, in Western Australia they're still trying to force people off their lands. The right to live on country and practice culture is not a given. Meanwhile in Queensland the government has struck a deal with a coal miner and to which the local community have been protesting non-stop due to the damage to her heritage, um, the land, the reef and, and sites. It's 2017 and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people still don't have land rights. All over the country, we are waiting for the return of stolen wages. We continue to be the most impoverished group in this country with significantly higher school dropout rates and unemployment rates. We have the highest rate of, of um, youth suicide in the world. Here in Victoria, Aboriginal people are incarcerated 11 times what our population parity rates would be. It's 2017 and Aboriginal people still don't have human rights. Finally though, I can't help but be angry. I'm the auntie of two nephews and one niece now and I don't want them growing up to be made to feel that their ancestors were worthless and their history doesn't matter like I was within mainstream of this society. I want them to understand that they come from the longest continuing cultures in the world and to be allowed to be proud of that. I want the people in this country to also be proud of them. I want them to be able to learn truth so they grow up strong and committed to ensuring that these injustices never happen again. So I'm not going to thank people for coming here today. Instead, I'm glad you walk in solidarity with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for truth and justice. And it is my opinion that anyone with any decency would do the same.
We need to start creating more people who possess this decency because, in my view, they don't reside in Parliament House. The justice is going to come from the streets and not from the exclusionary colonial system. Thank you. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. That was Celeste Liddell addressing the Melbourne Invasion Day rally held on Thursday the 26th of January. I then had a chance to speak with another Aboriginal activist, Kim Bullimore. Kim is a socialist, a Murray woman, an international solidarity campaigner and an activist. January 26 uh, marks uh, Invasion Day because... This, of course, is when European colonisation and settler colonialism began in Australia. Uh, and it was, you know, the beginning of the destruction of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities and uh, a whole heap of settler colonial violence that had been visited on to our communities uh, over, not only historically, but even happening today. You know, uh, you can't say that um, uh, many of the, the impact of uh, European settlement in Australia is not a historical thing. It is something that is still going on today. So uh, I think it's really important that we continue this, um, uh, these protests and that we, you know, take a stand to uh, highlight uh, the Aboriginal uh, experience, uh, not only in the past, but even of today. Well, let's look at some of those ongoing issues that um, demonstrate very poignantly what you've just described, the ongoing oppression and colonisation of Aboriginal people, land and culture. I mean, some issues have taken real prominence in the mainstream press, Aboriginal youth in detention in the Northern Territory, and actually even in Victoria we've had the issue of the Youth Rights Imamsbury um, Youth Justice Centre. A number of those people are Aboriginal. We've got the result of the inquest into the death of Ms Dew in custody there were the Kalgoorlie um, riots. These things keep at the forefront the ongoing issues that Aboriginal people experience and face in this country. Yes, that's correct. You know, it is. And this is something that's not in the past. So, you know, obviously when we want to recognise the historical injustices that have been done um, to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, we also can't see them just as something in the past. It is something that is impacting today. And, you know, we have um, a situation where uh, not only on um, social indicators where Aboriginal people are still dying younger uh, than the non-Indigenous community, uh, you know, the jailing rate is uh, massively higher for um, Aboriginal and TI people compared to the non-Indigenous Australia. Uh, there's a whole heap of slew of social indicators that show that uh, Aboriginal and TI community in Australia are the most socially disadvantaged. So um, this is an impact of the dispossession of Aboriginal people and, you know, the colonisation that happened uh, over the last two centuries. We have, you know, everybody knows about the stolen generation, uh, of course, which is a horrendous thing. But today, Aboriginal children are still being taken away at a rate higher than during uh, the period of the stolen generation. So, you know, these are things that aren't in the distant past. They're things that are happening today. We have the situation in Dondale, as you mentioned, you know, where something like 80 to 90% of the kids who are incarcerated up there are Aboriginal. Um, There is a a huge, um, I think it's something like 13 or 14% uh, rate 
of incarceration higher than the non-Indigenous community. Uh, and so, you know, these kids are being... Um, put into a situation where they're becoming institutionalised. And you look at the case of Dylan Boller is a perfect example of that. You know, here you have a young Aboriginal child who's been institutionalised since he was 10 years of age uh, and uh, incarcerated in and out of prisons. So you have this structural racism that's built into our uh, so-called justice system and into the so-called, you know, uh, welfare system and, and uh, uh, human services system, which allows for this to happen. And, you know, this is a horrible thing that this young child has been institutionalised. And when there's something like, um, I think the the incarceration rate is 10 to 15% higher than... um, the non-Aboriginal community, this is a result of the impact of colonisation uh, and ongoing you know, dispossession of Aboriginal people. And then you have other cases like Miss Dew in uh, Western Australia, uh, a young woman in her 20s who is arrested for outstanding fines and, you know, within hours of being arrested, she's dead. And if people have followed uh, the... Um, uh, the the coronial inquest into her death. I mean, it was just uh, heartbreaking to uh, hear how she was treated uh, by the police and also by medical professionals. Uh, you know, where her actual very real pain and uh, uh, was uh, you know medical condition was just ignored and written off because of the racism that exists not only within the uh, police force but also within the medical system uh, that Aboriginal people are treated in such a marginalised way. And of course, Miss Jew is not the only deaths in custody. We've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deaths in custody and they continue. And this is because there's a refusal to actually address the, 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 the structural racism at the heart of Australian society and this structural racism comes again from the beginning of you know the dispossession of uh, Aboriginal people uh, and uh, and European colonisation. This has been something that's built being built into Australian society. So I mean, it sounds like you would probably then argue that there is an inherent patriotism and racism that's imbued in Australia Day. There is an emerging conversation in the mainstream about whether this problem would be rectified if we changed the date from the day that uh, symbolised the beginning of Aboriginal oppression, that is the date that the First Fleet first arrived in Australia, to some other date. Do you? Where do you stand on that debate? Look, I mean, I think there's a whole heap of spec- different opinions with, uh, within uh, the Indigenous community. I can, of course, only give my perspective on it. Uh, for me, I think that, you know, while changing the date would be a start, I don't think it's a, a solution in and of itself. I mean, uh, it would be an important symbolic gesture, which I think is important. But just by simply changing the date, we're not going to actually address the actual, you know, deep core of the structural racism in this country. We won't actually uh, improve uh, the situation for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Uh, We can only do that by actually going to the core of um, uh, the system uh, that that allows for those things to happen. But but changing the date would be a start in the sense that it would be of symbolic importance of acknowledging that, you know, um, that this... uh, 
uh, is an issue for Aboriginal people and that, uh, you know, it's that invasion is something that still has such a deep impact on the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. But, of course, I don't think it's enough. And it's the same thing, you know, if you look at, for example, the uh, apology to the stolen generations. Now, you know, when Kevin Rudd did that, that was an important symbolic gesture and, you know, it was something that many people were moved by and it was an important thing to be done. But, you know, when that apology was given, he did very little, as did the rest of the Labor government, uh, uh, to actually address uh, the issues that were impacting on Aboriginal people, like the Northern Territory intervention, uh, you know, higher incarceration rates for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, all the social indicators that represent uh, Aboriginal uh, disadvantage. There was very little policy brought in to actually address those things. And if anything, in some ways, it was actually, uh, the policies were actually deepened uh, under the Labor governments. So the, the Northern Territory intervention, although it was brought in by the Howard government, was actually extended under the Labor government. So, you know, while uh, symbolic gestures such as the uh, apology and even changing the date are important things, and I think they're a beginning, uh, they're not a solution. Um, and so if we really want to address um, the issues uh, and support Aboriginal struggles and rights, then people need to be prepared to go further than that. They need to be able to take a stand and support actual real change and real um, uh, uh, self-determination and struggles, uh, the self-determination for the Indigenous community in Australia. This increasing uh, patriotism, that patriotic sentiment, is actually a worldwide phenomenon. You know, Australia doesn't exist in a vacuum. The Mm. European colonisation that we've talked about, which is a history of this country, it's not isolated to Australia. You know, the British Empire colonised lots of parts of the world and wreaked havoc and destruction and a lot of devastation that's ongoing today. Um, do you see do you see a connection between you know the inherent racism and patriotism imbued in Australia Day? Do you see a connection with other patriotic days or national days? And then, how do we deal with that as an international movement? No, I agree with you. You know, Australia is not isolated. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm a socialist, so I definitely do see uh, the connections as well uh, as as being an Aboriginal rights activist. I mean, the thing is, is we're living, uh, you know, under capitalism. The system that we live under is actually inherently racist. It actually, you know, pits people against each other in order to advance uh, you know, capitalism and and the wealth and um, uh, power of, you know, a small percentage of people over the majority of us, whether we be black, white or whatever. So, I mean, I think it's really true. But, I mean, if you, we look at the, 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 the global scale of, of rising populism and nationalism, I mean, part of this is, uh, well, not part, but it is inherently a result of the failure of capitalism and it's a, a result of the failure of mainstream political parties under capitalism, that people have become so uh, disenfranchised, disillusioned, that they've moved away from that. So it makes it very easy for populist people like Trump or for um, Pauline Hanson, who position themselves as somehow being like ordinary people, uh, when, you know, people like Trump is a multimillionaire, uh, they position themselves as being, you know, uh, part of the disenfranchised, that people, uh, you know, are looking for something to, to help them, 
I suppose, give expression to that. And that but of course, then there's also under the current of that is that there's you know, out-and-out racists, for example, which Hanson is, uh, who want to take advantage of that disillusionment and that disenfranchisement of ordinary people. Uh, And they want to be able to push their own agenda to do that. So you see this rising popularism um, that really uh, is not a solution to the problems that we're facing under capitalism. It's not a solution for, you know, for... Uh, white people or non-Aboriginal people and it's not a solution for Aboriginal people. What is a solution for us is solidarity between all those people who are oppressed. We need to be, you know, the working working class people, uh, you know, Aboriginal people, non-Aboriginal people, migrants, refugees, whoever it might be, people who are suffering under the oppression uh, as a result of capitalism, we need to be standing together and standing in solidarity with each other to, to make, um, you know, a world that's better for all of us. And uh, that might sound pie in the sky, but it isn't. It's something that can be achieved and can be done. And I think it's really important that we need to recognise that, um, you know, that's the way forward for us is not to be standing in isolation from each other because, you know, together we are definitely stronger than we are as uh, individuals or individual groupings. And I guess we saw elements of that or the seeds of that at the events on the 26th of January, more Mm. than 10,000 people in the streets of Melbourne, huge numbers in Sydney and Perth and Brisbane and other um, major cities across Australia. Were you buoyed by the images of those solidarity demonstrations? Oh, definitely. It was fantastic. You know, I mean, obviously I was at the Melbourne rally here and it was just so great to see so many people. And, you know, I actually uh, stood photographed the, uh, the, the, the marches that went by. And it was so great to see all the different, um, you know, placards. It was great to see people from all different walks of life, people from different ethnic backgrounds. You know, there was, uh, there were signs out there from the Sikh community. There were some Muslim, uh, people marching. There were, uh, migrants. There were obviously refugees, uh, there were, uh, you know, um, uh, so-called white Australians, all of these sort of things. So it was, as well as obviously people from our community, from the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. So it was really heartening to see everybody come together. And I'm always reminded, you know, many years ago, I actually had the opportunity to interview Marindu Yana, who, as you know, is uh, also a very... Um, well-known Aboriginal leader and uh, and activist, and you know, and what and what he said to me at that time, he said, "Look, you know, the thing is that black and white, we have more in common than we have, you know, uh, not in common. You know, we're under attack. Our our health, our our education, uh, our land, everything, all of these things are under attack um, from those in power and those who have." Um, you know, the money and things like that. And so really what it is, it's really important that we do stand together and we stand uh, with each other and have each other's back. So, yeah, so it was really exciting yesterday to see so many people out. And as I said, it's uh, I, I've been, you know, living in Melbourne now for a decade or so, and it's definitely the biggest rally I've ever ever seen here. Um, so it was great to, to have so many people out. And I really hope that, you know, that this won't be the end, that, you know, over the next year, not only uh, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues that we'll continue to see more and more people come out on the street, but I hope it also translates into uh, other progressive causes, uh, course, um, causes uh, you know, that uh, people standing in solidarity with refugees, standing in solidarity 
um, with Muslims, uh, with migrant people, because, you know, these communities are under attack as well, just as the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities are under attack. And we need to be able to say, look, you know, uh, it's uh, not on our watch. I mean, I was really heartening, actually, yesterday I read a, an article that in Sydney uh, an Aboriginal uh, activist actually led a demonstration uh, outside of the Billawood uh, Detention Centre, standing in solidarity with the refugees who were locked up there as the as part of the um, uh, Invasion Day um, uh, act, actions that they did. And so that was fantastic. You know, I, I think that's really, really important that we draw those par- uh, those connections and those parallels because we've got the Australian government here, uh, you know, and, it's, um, and I talked about Pauline Hanson and Trump before, but look, the reason why we have Hanson back on the scenes now is not because of, um, you know, just her individual uh, popularism and politics, but because of uh, various Australian governments, whether it be, you know, uh, the Labor governments or the government under Abbott and now Turnbull, they have laid the groundwork for the return of Hanson and this popularism. You know, they have been the ones who have been institutionalising, you know, horrible policies that see refugees being locked up on Manus and Nauru, where people are being killed and uh, and you know children are being incarcerated, they're the ones who've instituted uh, the Northern Territory intervention and policies that ensure that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities are marginalised. Uh, you know they're the ones who are doing this, and so people like Hanson are just riding off the back of that that Fortress Australia policies that you know has been part of Australian politics for the last twenty years, uh, and and. This, this, you know, marginalisation of the Indigenous communities. Well, Kim, thank you so, so much for your time. Thanks for sharing your opinions and your insights about Australia Day. Um, and I know that while, you know, the Indigenous community is very, very broad and lots of people are going to have different opinions about it, what's really clear is Invasion Day was a huge opportunity for some solidarity across this country. That's right. It's, 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 it's great. And so, you know, it's really wonderful uh, that the... the, the the rallies and the actions around the country were so big and, you know, so I just want to encourage everybody, you know, to keep coming out onto the streets uh, in support of Indigenous rights and please still keep coming out in support of other oppressed communities who need your your support as well. Um, You know, uh, as they say, united we stand, divided we fall and we need to stand together and by standing together we'll win. That was Kim Bullimore and before her Celeste Little speaking about why we shouldn't celebrate Australia Day and why we should protest Invasion Day. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au and that's the digit 3 not spelt out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.